Welcome to Fran Path Consulting Podcast. I'm Sam Schweitzer. And I'm Brittany Bodie. And together we are Fran Path Consulting. Hello, Brittany Bodie. How are you? I'm good. I love that you use my full name now. As long as you don't start using my middle name, because that's when I'm in trouble only. But Brittany Bodie works. How are you? <laughs> I am so great, Britt Lorraine. Fantastic. <laughs> good to have you here today. You I couldn't too. resist. You too. I called my mom earlier today and she was like, hello, Brittany Lorraine. And I'm like, oh, crap. What did I do today? Um, what am <laughs> right. I in trouble for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Breathe. Just breathe. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, when Mags, when I was pregnant with Mags, I would practice yelling. I would be like, Maxwell Michael. And I thought, yeah, that's it. That's the one. It's Maxwell Michael. It's the easiest to say. I wanted Maxwell Melvin because my Ooh. grandpa's name is, I know. Wrong, too much. Wrong. Too yeah. much. It's a lot of name. It's a lot of name for any child. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Well, I feel like we've accomplished a lot since we recorded last, which, you know, we can't say every single week, <laughs> but we made it through our first webinar, which I think we were both anxiously awaiting and a little bit nervous about doing. We had over 400 people register. So that was a little bit nerve wracking, a much better turnout than we had anticipated originally, but we made it through. I know. I was proud of us. I mean, when we were on the development side, I felt like all we did was present to people, right? Yes. We'd go to all of these broker conferences and stand in front of hundreds of people and present and tell our story. Now, as consultants, we're very one-on-one. -on -one. And so we're strong presenters. I, I will say that to brag on us for a minute. That is something that we're good at. But it was a little bit like, do we have it? You know, this the dusting the stuff off, being like, can we do this? Can we present to people? Oh, yeah. But it was so much fun. And I was so impressed with the turnout. And I think something you and I knew as we built this company that we were passionate about is just education. How do we help more people understand what franchising is and what the value can be? I completely agree. And there is something different about presenting live. You know, for me, as a, I'm a true extrovert. I think I've said that on the podcast before. When I get in a room full of people, I start to feed off the energy. I get more energy, more energy. And so what we didn't realize is on Zoom, you can't see who you're presenting to. We were staring at each other and our admin who was running things and our marketing team behind the scenes were the only people we could see. And you and I were the only ones on camera. And mm -hmm. so that was difficult because we couldn't see how people were reacting. We didn't really know. But overwhelmingly, we got so much feedback from folks on the backside. And that was just really awesome to hear that people found value in the content and wanted to learn more. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, we did. We got great feedback. And, you know, I think we tried to be super transparent and cover pertinent topics. We talked about what the recession means for franchising. We talked about different models. Do you have to choose a job or a business or can you have both? So we really gave people a little bit of insight into what are we seeing in 2022 and what is franchising going to look like in 2023 industries that are always going to be recession resistant, you know, things like B2B services, home services, kids, pets, 
wellness, people are always going to take care of those things. So it was just fun to talk about the different concepts that we're seeing and what we anticipate will happen in 2023. Yeah. And using history as a guide as well, right? I think that this isn't the first time the word recession has been thrown around. I think people have been anticipating a recession since 2018 and kind of on the edge of their seats. And so I think a lot of what we did was bust some myths, deal with some fear, and then talk about how everybody can be profitable and still live the American dream no matter what your news channels say. And you named a bunch of categories that have proven in the past to be totally recession resistant and continue to thrive through any kind of economic conditions. And we have a company joining us today that represents brands in every single category that you named. So I am so excited to introduce Rob Cambruzzi, who's the founder and CEO of the Repum Group, and Travis McVickers, head of the Buildum division of Repum. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, Sam and Britt, thanks so much for having us. I'm uh, really excited to you know go through this session with you guys and talk a little bit about the, the uh, industry and what's going on. So, Same here. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We're thrilled to have you too. And every episode, we'd love to just have our listeners learn a little bit more about our guests. So Rob, I'll start with you. Walk us through your background and how you got started in franchising. Yeah. So it's funny because none of us like fall in or we all fall into franchising, right? We never kind of like start out and, and go to school for it. So I basically uh, grew up in, in real estate construction and, and went to school for that and and then ended up moving to Charlotte and, and doing real estate construction till about a downturn that we're all familiar with, which is 2008 happened. Um, that was a fun one. And that's when I started pivoting towards, uh, towards franchising. I found a job at, at Driven Brands. Um, luckily, I knew someone there and, and started working as a director of franchise sales uh, and kind of worked my way up into a VP role there and uh, got to see a lot of stuff through through that uh, whole tenure there. A lot of different private equity transactions, tons of different style of, of management. When I joined there, um, that was a about a 1,200 unit, 1,300 unit chain. Uh, by the time I left, it was north of 3,000 units. So um, it was something that that was a great education for me, but also got to see all different styles of franchising as we were acquiring small brands, rolling them into large brands. Um, so it was, it was pretty cool background. But yeah, no one starts out as saying, I'm going to graduate college and go straight into franchising. I, I found my way into it, um, as many others have. What an incredible story. I mean, most franchisors aim to get to 100 units and to work with a brand house that has thousands of brands and to join them at the time of a recession. I mean, that's pretty, pretty special experience that you got to have. Um, what about you, Travis? Tell us about your background and how you fell into franchising. Yeah, so my my uh, delve into franchising was with this guy. Um, I was not in my, my background is uh, construction and land development. Um, but, you know, met Rob through Driven. Um, we were actually trying to do some development deals with Rob at Driven. And um, I guess my experience with with franchises or franchisees was through them being in some of our shopping centers and occasionally doing build outs uh, for them through uh, through our construction programs and our, our development. But, um, you know, really, when when Rob approached me about this idea of starting 
what was RPM at that time, you know, I was I was looking for something different, and uh, you know, I had I had experience with this and and seen some of the pain points that Rob was pointing out, and um, I joined him five years ago, and we haven't looked back. We we keep building this thing. That's the understatement of the century. We haven't looked back, and we just keep building this thing. I mean. What you guys have with the Repum Group is really something special. And, you know, Rob, I, I think I knew you before and knew Nick and just the group is so great and the growth that you guys have experienced. Really, it's been fun to have a front seat to that. And Brittany and I often talk about, wow, how quick you guys have been able to do this. So what was the precipice for you guys to go out on your own and start your own development group? Yeah. So as I was mentioning, a lot of the private equity groups, you know, coming in and out and and I was fortunate enough with the brands that I was working on, was able to sell myself almost out of a job because we we grew some of those brands so much that there wasn't a t- whole lot of territory left, which, you know, becomes a problem later with a lot of franchisors. So, um, you know, my next evolution was how do I tie what I grew up in? to you know the franchising knowledge that i gained at, at driven brands and the obvious path for me was i should do what i've told a bunch of other folks to do leave corporate and, and start a you know start a franchise or start a a company and so that's that's what i did and, and i left and started rpm first guy you know that I brought on was travis like you mentioned um and you know the whole thought here was there's a lot of franchisees and franchisors out there that that have hard time opening units. Uh, it's just not an easy process. A lot of folks have great concepts or franchisors have great concepts, but they're just not experts all the time in opening real estate or, or even on the construction side, watching costs very closely. So this is something I had a background in, launched RPM with the focus of just helping franchisors and franchisees open units. Um, and that was back in 2017. And, you know, since then, we've grown to, to not only do that for 15 plus brands, but we've added multiple different segments to the, the company here where we have four pillars now that, that we operate, kind of a, a, a brandom piece where we're taking a lot of the content and, and actually utilizing our services to help get the word out there through, you know, social media and, and all different other paths but also creating content internally for our due diligence process. So our, our next vertical uses this a lot, our Growem vertical, and then Buildem, of course. Uh, Growem is just our sales arm, our franchise sales development arm. And then the last one is super important to us, which is Scalem. Um, and Scalem came you know, as something that I think is super necessary and something that we've tried to do along the way, even with RPM, the first company we started before we rebranded. Um, and, and that is really just operationally assist, you know, fr- the franchisors and the franchisees hold their hand, know what they don't know and help cover the basis for them. So that's kind of where we started. And, you know, obviously it's morphed into a lot more, but it's, it's been really fun and, and I've loved it so far. What an incredible journey over the last five years. I mean, congratulations on what you've built and what you're going to continue to build. And having been in the development world for so long, there are so many what they call FSOs out there, right? People that are selling franchises. But I think what you're doing is so special because you're not just selling franchises. You are doing everything you can to ensure that franchisees get open and they get profitable. And 
one of the things that we have consistent conversation about with our clients when they're looking at things in beauty and wellness and fitness and pets is I've never done a build out. I, I, how do I identify the right real estate? How do I oversee that? Am I capable of it? I'm not a handy person. I don't know anything about real estate. So I want to talk a little bit more about that division because what you do is so special in the Buildum division. So tell us a little bit more about that piece. Yeah. So it's funny because we love to say we don't identify as an FSO, um, which is so true, right? We have an FSO arm. Let's grow them. And it's led by my partner, Nick Sheehan. And he's awesome at, at doing the franchise sales piece and, and is, you know, comes from St. Gregory, who, who also is really good at that. But if you look at how emerging brands or sometimes even seasons brand brands grow and grow, you know, the right way, we love to say, is by adding support around not just, you know, the, the sales side, but adding support around operations, adding support around the most, you know, intricate part of the process, which is getting open, right? That is where the rubber hits the road for so many franchises. Uh, that are brick and mortar and really controlling those costs are kind of the the very very key point that we focus on is you know the cost item seven we all read these fdds and if you if you don't know what an fdd is is a franchise disclosure document that hopefully you'll know what it is soon and it, it's one of those things that you read it it's a lot of numbers it's a lot of information and you're reading it because you just want to do your due diligence but at the end of the day, all of that happens after you sign your franchise agreement is you have to have a great partner that has great processes. And that's really where we said, hey, we need to put better solutions in place for after the sale of the franchise, because that's what actually makes the success. And after they get open and they've experienced everything we told them that they would experience through the, the grow them, you know, side of, of it, then they can validate. And so that's what we really strive for is this validation component in franchising that allows you to snowball brands. And that really creates the DNA of a great brand, right? If you have validation, that allows us all to do a great job and the franchisees are doing a great job and it all just works. So that's, that's really what we focus on. I love the accountability piece, right? I think that anytime we're in franchising, that sometimes you've got the head of the snake has a different body and you're somebody in sales is saying one thing and then the people in operations are like, yeah, but we're not opening for a little bit longer than they're saying and the build outs are taking longer. And so it's this trickle down effect to get back to the folks on the front side. And that's where validation comes into play is the person that's on the grow side could be saying something different. Now you guys have everybody working from build them to grow them to scale them, all of it under one roof. So everybody's getting the same information. There's accountability. The sales team knows, hey, build outs are taking a little bit longer right now. It's going to take us a while to find property in Dallas. You need to let these people know that. And I love it because it really is smart selling. It's smart growth. And you guys have really, you're the first group to do it. And I think you've done it so well that I do see people probably moving in the vein to try to replicate that. But I think the history of the building side, and that's the biggest piece that I see as your differentiator is just how great you guys are at locking down that process. Now, we've been hearing a lot of whispering. Commercial real estate is hard to find. 
there's hard, it's, you know, it's going to be cost more, tenant improvement allowances are down. And then on the other side of it, there's like, oh, there's an abundance in some markets. So Travis, can you tell us, because this is your bread and butter, what are the current trends that you're seeing in commercial real estate right now throughout the U.S.? Well, all of those things you you just mentioned are are true in some respects in in every market in the country. Um, I just saw, uh, heard a statistic the other day that you know Scottsdale, Arizona, for example, is ninety seven percent leased up. So, I I mean that is a massive percentage to hear. Um, and there's there's markets like that, but there are markets where we go and there's an abundance of of you know, space that is available. So it's, you know, we have seen prices go up. We have seen TI dollars come down. We we see a lot of landlords still trying to offer, you know, pre-COVID TI dollars when we all know what has happened to the cost of construction and inflation and everything else that's going on. Um, so, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to say, hey, no, Mr. Landlord, you can't build out a vanilla shell for $40 a square foot anymore. That's $60 a square foot. You're not giving us enough, enough TI. So if you don't want to give us enough TI, then you got to reduce your rent rate. And, you know, we, we keep a, a pulse on all of the, you know, rent factors across the country. We have seen them go up, but we have, I think we've started to see them level off. Um, there is not a massive surplus. So hopefully that will not continue to drive those costs up. Um, you know, from a construction standpoint, where we are starting to see uh, everything level off, it was it was uh, continuing to trend upward from a from a cost standpoint. Um, it has leveled off. I'm optimistic that you know it will start to come back down. Um, interest rates, I think, are going to play a factor in that, um, where people aren't able to um, build as much for for their dollar and it's going to drive maybe the housing market to slow down a little bit i think we've already seen that a little bit and you know that'll that'll allow the labor force to to free up a little bit and you know get back to a competitive nature where those costs tend to to come down so yeah, I think trends that we're hearing, I mean, we have a client that's going through this process right now. And he told us the other day, he's got $100 in TI. I mean, that's, that's crazy to me, which is amazing. Tell our listeners a little bit more about your services, engaging with our clients as franchisees. What are the services with the Buildum division? What can they anticipate in working with you? What's, what's kind of your process and how you plug in? Absolutely. So we, you know, we tie in right at execution of the franchise agreement. Um, we are we are right there with the brokers, uh, helping them search, making sure that you know they are getting a deal that 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 meets brand standards. The rent rate is right. The TI dollars are, are correct. You know, we 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 try to pair them up with an architect. We walk them through the design process. Uh, we have an in-house design manager, actually two of them now. Um, and they, you know, they're reviewing test fits. They're they're working with not only the franchisee but the franchisors on test fit approvals, um, making spaces work. We then do plan reviews um, for QAQC. We try to minimize those change orders on the back end. They're they're always going to happen. Nothing is perfect in the construction world, but you know we try to minimize those uh, those costs to the franchisees on the back end. 
Um, we then, you know, the architects are ultimately responsible for the permit, but we try to keep tabs on that process. Uh, if the time uh, tends to get ex exaggerated, we'll reach out to the cities on the franchisees behalf and try to nudge those, you know, there's a fine line there with, with being too pushy with the city and getting put to the bottom of the pile, but we, we do our best to, to nudge those people along and, um, and not uh, create uh, more problems for us. But then, you know, our project management team, they, you know, they go out to bid with, with the, the sets of plans to multiple GCs in the market. We're always trying to target, you know, local, local, regional and national guys um, to, to bring the, uh, the most competitive mix that we can to, to the franchisee. And then we're, you know, we level those, those bids, make sure they're apples to apples. And, you know, there's not a big scope gap from the low number to the high number. And then, you know, we ultimately walk the uh, franchisee through the construction process. We were, you know, we're in, we're holding the, uh, the contractor accountable for, you know, hopefully his deadline, you know, making sure that if there are problems, we're, we're pushing RFIs to the, uh, to the architect and, uh, you know, problem solving along the way. And then, you know, on the very back end, we help get the TI dollars back. You know, once, once they get that certificate of occupancy and they're, they're open and operating, um, you know, we're behind the scenes kind of uh, getting lien waivers and things like that from the contractor and working with the landlords to, to get that TI check um, on the backside. So, I mean, we, we really handle it soup to nuts. We, you know, we, we try to, you know, push, push them along in that process and, and guide them and, and, you know, uh, steer them away from potential pitfalls that we've all seen. And if anybody hasn't handled their own commercial build out, the laundry list of things that you guys do is very remarkable because dealing with a general contractor, I mean, you just think about it from a residential real estate perspective where you know that your kitchen cabinet shouldn't be a quarter of an inch off. And that still is hard to handle. You have no idea what side the light switch needs to be on, what way the door needs to swing, ADA compliance, all of those different things. And it can save you tens of thousands of dollars to have a group involved in this because what you guys are doing from tenant improvement allowances to weighing out general contractors' bids to doing all of those things, permitting with the city, that en enough is enough for me to say, yep, sign me up. I don't ever want to deal with any state, local, federal government ever. <laughs> so sign me up to have somebody make those calls on my behalf. And I think that people are spoiled if you haven't done anything like that on your own, you know, in the early days of complete nutrition. We didn't have all of those things that I remember just some of the build outs and it would be like, well, half of the cabinets are on the wall and the other half aren't on the wall and they didn't show up. And who do you call and where are they coming from and what's going on there? And so I do think it's it's really interesting that your franchisees just have that entire gamut taken care of, including rent. I mean, they're not going to be overpaying in a space where a mom and pop Jim may come in and buy the space next to him, they may be paying a lot more in their monthly lease because they just didn't know better and they negotiated a space for a 10-year lease and now they're locked in. So I, I just can't stress enough for anyone listening to this, this list of things, get your pen and paper out, write it down because that's a lot of work and hours and time that you can be spent building your business instead of building the actual space. Now, you guys have talked a lot about your experience in the franchise world, the construction industry, 
everything on this podcast. So I'm imagining that you have a lot of great advice to share. So Rob, I'll start with you. What is the best advice that you've ever received? Oh, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I was probably in a very similar state of which many of your listeners are are in. And, um, you know, it was one of those states where do I, do I take, you know, another role in corporate? Uh, Do I go seek another job or do I try to pivot inside the role that I'm in? Or do I kind of follow some of those dreams uh, that I, you know, that I had, right? Uh, The entrepreneurial side. And um, I know listeners can't see us, but on my desk um, in my office, there's actually this, this note. And I was with a a coach um, that uh, basically was a a career coach and he was helping me with my resume. And he, he was like, well, why wouldn't you go down and start your own business? Like, I don't know. There's, there's all these reasons why, right? There's, there's all these, we'll call them excuses. And it, and he just wrote one word on a piece of paper and the word just said faith. And he, go, and he looks at me and he goes, Rob, you seem pretty confident. I mean, do, do you think you have faith in yourself? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I believe in myself. And he's like, well, I have faith in you as well and circled it and said, if you have enough faith in yourself, then you should go do that. And so it was a, it was one of the best, um, you know, and most pivotal, pivotal moments in my career, because it literally led me to, you know, start my business and leave corporate, which at the time was really hard to do. I had a lot of equity, a lot of, it was a really cush, you know, job making a lot of money. So uh, that was a very pivotal moment. And and looking in the mirror and having faith uh, is, is my advice. If you have faith in yourself to, to jump off that edge and, and go pursue, you know, what, what you ultimately know and want, uh, then you should do it. That is fantastic. I'm really fighting singing George Michael's You Gotta Have Faith right now. So I'm going to move <laughs> on. <laughs> and it was in my mind, faith, the faith, the faith. Nope, don't do it. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead, Travis, and ask you the exact same question. What is the best advice that you have ever received? You know, I think I think for me it is um, you know it's being transparent with with how we act and and what we do and um, and that you know being a good steward of someone else's money um, you know in, in in the land development business you know it's it's your money that you're spending um, it's you know everybody looks at land developers as you know they're the you know they're the fat cats but you know there's big risk big reward right and. There's a lot of risk that goes along with that. And, you know, the franchisees are, are doing the same thing. You know, they're potentially risking their their 401ks, their their family's uh, future uh, to go out and, and, and be an entrepreneur and chase that, uh, you know, chase that experience. And uh, for me, it's just, you know, it's treating their money just like I would treat mine and and spending it well and, and not being... Uh, you know, not being wasteful with that. So I, I think it's just, uh, you know, spending someone else's dollar as if it was yours. I think that's, you know, the biggest thing for me, probably best advice I've, I've, I've received. Yeah, it's a big decision for, you know, prospective franchisees to become franchisees and it's a big investment. So that's great that you really treat their money like it is your own and, and really put care behind their investment too. So, 
Rob, you talked about how you fell into franchising, and I swear we say that on almost every podcast. Um, I probably am the only person that didn't fall into it, that was born into it, that we've had. Um, so tell us from a fall in a franchising standpoint. So you fell into it. Why are you still here? What is your personal compelling reason for sticking around and staying in franchising? Yeah, you know, it's it's awesome. It's such a cool industry. And it's it's got so few people for how big it actually is. Um, I, I don't think everyone fully understands, you know, the reach of, of franchising. But I really love it for for the main reason, which is you can make money in it, which is always a key to business, right? And whatever you do, you should always want to make money in it. But it does a lot more than just make money. It helps a lot of people, right? Um, we look at so many people that struggle with their you know, their grind at work, or even sometimes that affects the personal life in a huge way, or, you know, they don't have enough time for their kids or, or whatever it is, you know, it, it allows me to, to not only have a great lifestyle, but help others achieve that as well. And I think that that's like super, super important uh, to, you know, what our, our, what we're here to do on earth uh, is the best way to say it. I really like that. Yeah, it is. It helps a lot of people and even just creating a lot of jobs. I mean, franchise brands create so many jobs for people, which is pretty cool. What about for you, Travis? What's your personal compelling reason for kind of falling into this and sticking with it so far? You know, it really it really comes down to to helping people. Um, I, I, I think that's really what it comes down to. I'll, I'll never forget a, a franchisee that was in a center that we had bought and um, you know, they, they, we actually bought the center. They came late. They had been taken advantage of by a contractor. I jumped in to try and help them and get open. And, and ultimately that business failed probably within six months of opening. And, you know, I don't want to, you never like to see that. That was a, a mom, a, a son and a daughter that was opening that business and pouring their life savings into it. And I really, I really think for me, it is, if I can, if I can help those people realize their dream and and protect them along the way from unscrupulous people that's that's what i do that's why i've stayed in franchising and and kind of made the switch here and and um you know we're continuing and i think it's why build them is is successful because we we are able to help people ultimately and um you know it's not you know i, I say this a lot to my team a lot of times you know it's it's thankless what we do but we really are helping people in the end and, and that's why I do what I do. You're helping people at some of, you know, the most pivotal time, right? It's high stress and they've made Absolutely. this big investment and now they're working hard to get open and the emotions are running high. So I have to imagine that you get the, uh, the phone calls almost every day of somebody freaking out and beating you up. But man, is it have to be worth it to see them open and do the ribbon cutting and hearing their first success story. And so it definitely, what you do is a huge impact on both franchisees and franchisors too. So thank you guys so much for being here and sharing your story with us. We really appreciate it and hope that you have a great day. Absolutely. Thank you both for having us. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Brittany. So if you'd like to learn more about franchising and diversifying your portfolio through franchising, email us at info at franpathconsulting.com. 
follow the Fran Path Consulting Podcast on Apple or Spotify. Please rate and review us five stars. You can also follow us on Instagram at Fran Path, Facebook and LinkedIn at Fran Path Consulting, or go to our website, franpathconsulting.com to take your free business assessment. Mm-hmm.